Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. It's Friday, May 27th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. The wind energy industry is facing a new challenge, how to handle massive turbine blades at the end of their lifespan. You can make a park bench out of it or turn it into a swing set or or something like that, but you can only do that so many times. Coming up, St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan reports on how a Missouri recycling plant is tackling the problem. A Democratic contender for Missouri's 2nd Congressional District is leaving the contest. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum explains why Ben Samuels is departing from the race to represent the St. Louis area district. Samuels was by far the top Democratic fundraiser for the 2nd Congressional District seat. But not only did the legislature draw his residents out of the district, but it made it significantly more Republican. Samuels says his withdrawal from the race should stoke discussion about how to alter how states handle redistricting. Everyone has an incentive to draw themselves safe seats, not seats that are representative of the community, not seats that are designed to be fair or demonstrate the partisan balance of the state. It is purely for partisan gain. Democrats Trish Gunby and Ray Reed remain in the race. GOP Congresswoman Ann Wagner is running for another term. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. Workers at warehouses throughout the region do not feel safe when extreme weather hits. As St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports, they are voicing concerns after workers died at an Amazon facility in Edwardsville that was hit by a tornado roughly six months ago. Tornado warnings blanketed St. Louis County and parts of St. Charles County last week as severe weather tore through the region. For workers at Amazon Warehouse and distribution facilities, those warnings were met with questions over how to respond and where to go. Justin Lopez works at one of Amazon's facilities in Hazelwood. Zero response in that moment. Plenty of confusion around, you know, where we should be. Not sure if the leadership even knows because it's a different direction every time. Lopez says his facility has done tornado drills in light of the Edwardsville collapse, but he adds those exercises didn't focus enough on worker safety. Amazon says the company continues to find ways to improve its safety. I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. A relatively new tool for prosecutors could help fast-track exoneration efforts by a Missouri man who says he was wrongfully convicted of murder. Washington County Prosecutor Josh Hedgecorth has filed a motion to vacate Michael Polite's conviction. Hedgecorth is only the second prosecutor to use the law, allowing action in cases that prosecutors believe resulted in wrongful convictions. The move could help Polite clear his name after spending more than 20 years behind bars. He's been released on parole. Jackson County Prosecutor Gene Peters-Baker was the first to use the law. The local prosecutor knows what it's going to take to free someone. He also knows what it takes to convict someone. So I have a lot of faith in Josh that he has evaluated this evidence and he's doing what he believes is right. Baker made the comments on St. Louis on the air. St. Louis officials say enhanced police patrols and expanded youth programming could help stave off an expected spike in crime during the warmer weather. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman reports. More St. Louis police officers will begin working 12-hour shifts June 10th, giving the department the ability to put extra officers in higher crime areas between 7 p.m. and 3 a.m. 
But the city is also directing a million dollars in grants to new summer youth programs at seven St. Louis public schools. And the city's rec centers will host their usual free summer camps. Heather Taylor, a senior advisor to the Department of Public Safety, says she attended city rec center programs when she was growing up in North St. Louis in the 1990s. If it wasn't for rec centers, I wouldn't be a college graduate. I wouldn't be standing here. Four children have been killed in the city this year, and more than 50 others have been shot. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker has signed bills creating task forces to address the behavioral and mental health needs of children. The package includes more evaluation of children in foster care and expanding residential placement options. Dr. Dana Weiner is director of a children's mental health initiative Pritzker launched in March. She says the pandemic and events like this week's shooting in Texas have taken a toll. Over time, our system has contracted at the front end with reductions in preventive services, as well as at the deeper end with reductions to residential beds for kids who need them. And that means that everyone is kind of stuck in the middle. Weiner says suicide rates among youth have been on the rise since 2010, and researchers are trying to figure out the root causes. St. Charles County's executive is proposing a multi-million dollar plan to fix potholes. Steve Ellman wants to use $10 million in coronavirus relief funds and another $10 million from the county's transportation sales tax revenue. He says a potential match with municipalities could increase the overall proposal to $30 million. The plan calls for the replacement of more than 10,000 concrete slabs and miles of asphalt roads. Elman says the proposal will help eliminate the backlog of road work caused by increased traffic in St. Charles County over the past 30 years. The wind energy industry in the U.S. has grown at a record pace in the past few years with dozens of new wind farms throughout the Midwest. But with the growth comes a new challenge, what to do with old wind turbine blades. As St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan reports, a Missouri factory has found a new use for them. A flatbed tractor trailer rolls into a gravel parking lot in Louisiana, Missouri, about 90 miles north of St. Louis. Strapped to the back are what looks like two massive airplane wings. They're actually pieces of a wind turbine blade that weigh a combined 20,000 pounds, says Rose Collard. She's an environmental health and safety specialist at the Veolia North America plant, where we're standing now. This blade actually came from Messina, Iowa, and this is actually one of the biggest blades that we get. This small Missouri processing plant is the last stop for old wind turbine blades from across the country, from Texas to the Pacific Northwest. Most blades are built to last at least 20 years. Some from wind farms built in the early 2000s are nearing the end of their lifespan. Others are becoming obsolete as technology advances. And that has created a growing waste problem. By some estimates, there will be more than 40 million tons of wind turbine blades discarded worldwide by 2050. Some companies and researchers are looking for ways to repurpose turbine blades, but that can be challenging. You can make a park bench out of it or, or turn it into a swing set or, or something like that, but you can only do that so many times. Robert Capadona is president and CEO of Veolia's Environmental Solutions and Services Group. The other option, he says, is recycling. But wind turbine blades are a mix of different materials, like fiberglass, resin, and wood, which makes them difficult to process. 
And Cappadona says these gigantic blades also have to be cut up into sections before they can be transported and recycled. Even that is a challenge because they're built to be incredibly durable. It's fiberglass and you would think how difficult can it be to cut? How difficult is it to cut concrete? That's how difficult it is to cut fiberglass. That takes a toll on the equipment. But despite those hurdles, workers at the Veolia plant in northern Missouri are recycling wind turbine blades, hundreds of them every month. Inside a cavernous warehouse, a series of gigantic shredding machines grind up the turbine blades into smaller and smaller pieces. Operations manager Michael Collard points to a pile of shredded blades. It looks like large pieces of broken up wood is the best description that I have. If you imagine uh, shaving all the bark off of a tree into little pieces, that's about the consistency of the first red wind blade material. The blades will eventually be ground down to a sawdust-like material, and machines will sort it by type. More than 70% of every blade is silica, a mineral used to make cement. About 80 tons of pulverized blades are shipped from this factory every day to cement manufacturers across the country. The rest of the wind turbine blade is used as fuel for the cement plants, replacing coal. Efforts like this to recycle wind turbine blades will become increasingly important in coming years, says wind technology engineer Derek Barry. We are seeing a near future where quite a few of those blades will be coming down from turbines and we have to look at you know, efficient ways to recycle or reuse those blades so as they don't end up in landfills. Barry is based at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory in Colorado. He says wind energy researchers worldwide are working to develop sustainable and cost-effective ways to recycle wind turbine blades. But they're also redesigning them, using different materials that can be recycled more easily. At the same time as we're handling the challenge that is posed to us by blades that are coming off towers now, uh, we're also changing our approach to the design and the manufacturing of wind turbine blades in the future to provide us ourselves with more options for recycling and reuse of blades at the end of their life. He says this rapidly expanding industry will likely need many more recycling centers to handle the discarded blades and keep them out of landfills. I'm Shayla Farzan, St. Louis Public Radio. Our David Casares edited that report. Shulin Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. No podcast on Monday. We are taking a break for Memorial Day. We are back Tuesday. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.